Welcome to episode two of the second season of Promethea Rising. I am your host, Karen Varbridge. When a community has developed a community energy plan and has set goals to transition to a decarbonized future, the hard work begins. Implementation of a community energy plan is a community-wide effort. However, maintaining momentum after the initial planning stage and over many years can be challenging. Communities are learning that while the right energy technologies exist to get started, the primary barrier to implementation success is the status quo, an existing energy system that prefers conventional modes of energy generation and distribution, which work well within prevailing regulatory systems, utility business models, and energy markets. How will the necessary transformation of local energy systems be coordinated when there are so many moving parts to be considered? Communities are beginning to experiment with social innovations that are explicitly designed to sustain the engagement of community leaders in the energy transition. My guests for this episode of Promethea Rising are leading such a social innovation, a collaboration dedicated to deep and sustained investment in a smart energy future for Waterloo Region in Southern Ontario. Matthew Day is the Program Manager at Waterloo Region Community Energy, and his colleague, Kate Daly, is the Environmental Sustainability Specialist at the Region of Waterloo. Welcome, Matthew and Kate, to the show. Thanks, Karen. I love what you're doing here and uh, thrilled to be a part of it. As am I. Thanks so much. So let's begin by having you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about Waterloo Community Energy and why was it established? What's the history there? WR Community Energy is the group that's uh, in charge with administering our community energy investment strategy. That is work that was done, I think it was led by the region of Waterloo as early as 2014 and got passed by council in 2018. It's the idea that we understand that cities and energies go together really well. They always evolved together. And if human history can be understood in terms of ages like Stone Age and Bronze Age and Iron Age, maybe communities are best understood in terms of energy ages. So 200 years ago, for example, we were in Waterloo Region, we were largely an agricultural community. We used our water mill, our water to mill our uh, wheat into flour. It had the power of about 400 watts and farmers would come from all around and bring their wheat and talk about business while they would wait their turn to, to grind their wheat. It was sort of like the, the coffee shop of, of their time. And then 150 years ago, we started using denser fuels like coal and we'd fire up our industrial chimneys and we'd get our, our steel beams and we'd really start building our community. But that came with a lot of consequences. On average, we became wealthier, but it came out at terrible costs with our new obsession with this you know, energy and city building. It's estimated that 9% of people working in steel plants died at the time. And the numbers were even higher for coal plants. So this is, we really started seeing our addiction to energy in the late uh, 19th century and some of the terrible consequences. Fortunately, though, we just over 100 years ago, we found uh, safer and more reliable forms of energy in terms of uh, electricity and natural gas, and we learned to govern them. Our energy grids became you know, safe, reliable, and affordable. We used that energy to build elevators and build higher up, and we started densifying our communities. Some people became claustrophobic and moved to the suburbs at the same time that petroleum became cheap and and cars became abundant, and we thought that we had farmland to burn up, so we build the suburbs. And now we're realizing the terrible consequences of that technology and, and that trend. 
So now that we're in a new energy transition, we're able to focus on the many negative aspects and environmental consequences, such as greenhouse gas emissions. So our our current community energy investment strategy is really trying to nip those problems in the bud and build a better community moving forward. And to that, I would add, um, I think that there's two really uh, notable strengths here in Waterloo Region on which the community energy investment strategy and, and the collaboration through WR Community Energy builds. And the first would be really collaboration in general. I think we we see ourselves in this community and are often seen as a very collaborative space with our regional government at the region of Waterloo. But we have three vibrant cities and four vibrant townships. Uh, and, you know, working together is is very much a part of, of how uh, the community sees itself and, and how our institutions have grown uh, to work. And I think that comes, you know, speaking to some of the historical context that, that Matthew mentioned, you know, that it's often referred to uh, locally as sort of that barn raising spirit. So when we have big problems in what are the region, we really do try to tackle them together. And WR Community Energy is, is a really great example of that uh, and one that brings in our utility partners, which is really exciting. And the other thing I'd highlight is that I think we're also an area that really sees itself as uh, environmental leaders and has for many years coming out of you know early policies when the regional government was created and, and our local municipalities created in the 70s around uh, protecting farmland and and uh, you know natural areas that are, are sensitive and important so I think between those two things the collaborative history and our uh, history of environmental leadership bringing that collaboration forward to the energy transitions that that Matthew is describing seems like a, a natural next step and a really important one Who's involved with the collaboration? Who's part of it? And how does it work? How do you work together to lead this change? WR Community Energy is a partnership between the cities of Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, our three local electric distribution companies, our two natural gas distribution companies, Kitchener Utilities and Enbridge, and of course, the region of Waterloo. There's senior leadership sitting on a governance committee. We meet four or five times a year. And do you have any particular programs that you're leading right now, or is it really just to keep a focus on the strategy and, and how you're moving forward with that? So we have a lot of projects uh, on the go. Maybe we can talk in a little bit more detail later on. But in general, my job is to take the leadership role on on small niche projects that others might not be aware of or might not see as a priority issue. Mm -hmm. So for example, we're doing some uh, thermal energy mapping in, in Waterloo region. and We see a great opportunity for open loop geo exchange. Nobody would do that work but for our group. But then there are many larger partnership opportunities that are complex and there are ideal leaders for those types of projects, but they might not know it at the time. So WR Community Energy often takes the early leadership role in large, complex projects, looking at the opportunities and the business case and real where the, the benefits are until a more natural project owner can be found. So how are you seeing this social innovation that you're experimenting with in your community? Although you've described you've had a lot of history of collaboration, how are you seeing it really making a difference? If you look at Social innovation from the idea that we're about changing resources and authority flows, which is, I know, how the Waterloo Institute for um, Social Innovation and Resilience Wiser talks about it. We see energy less as a resource coming from outside our community, coming into our community, and more of how we can generate resources internally. And there's a, you know, there's a great appetite for that. When I was younger, I would see these commercials for, for energy companies, and they would be so broad in their ambition and vision, I have no idea what they would do. 
And at the same time, I was learning how to read the news. And this was in the early 90s, and there was a Gulf War. And it very much occurred to me, or it struck me at the time when I was just a, 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 an early teenager, that governments serve these energy interests. They go, they're going to war over them. But now it's very different. There's so much local potential. We like to localize our energy here in Waterloo Region and, and democratize it a little bit. We're no longer just people, just a group that use energy. We can generate and manage our, our energy. Some people call it prosumers instead of energy consumers. So you've really described the change that you're seeking is to localize and democratize energy, bringing it, um, making it more real for people in your community. Why is that change so hard? And, and could you describe, you know, you talked about having trouble understanding energy visions in the past. How would you want your community to understand um, the energy vision for your future? Mm -hmm. We work with, you know, a dozen stakeholders in, in our community. And each time you add a new stakeholder, the change becomes harder, uh, more strategic angles for people to look out for. It's sort of like change management. I don't know if you've ever been involved in uh, an office changing uh, setting where even when you need to do something simple like moving your desks around, it's amazing how difficult and, and political it comes. People take it very personal. It's like that, but magnified because we're dealing with people's careers here. So early on in, in this position, I was, I was having a conversation with some folks at our uh, electricity distribution company, and I was talking about distributed energy resources and the opportunities and, and yada, 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 um, thinking we might have a, an open conversation about the, the future of, of energy distribution. But the reaction I got was, hey, Matthew, are you trying to take away my job here? Mm -hmm. The opportunities and challenges are, are not well understood. The processes are not well integrated. And so when you bring in one unifying vision, so in our case, we're interested in clean, efficient, and, and equitable energy, people act like humans. So at, at a high level, nobody disagrees with that vision. But when it comes to action, they think about how difficult it's going to be for them to do the work and the consequences of their job. And then they be, can become a little legalistic. They look at what their mandates are, what their limitations are. They see the work. They agree that the work needs to get done, but oh, it if you're talking about energy, doesn't it make sense for the LDCs to do it? Or if you're talking about uh, new buildings to be developed, doesn't it make sense for planners to do? So consequently, they tend to minimize their role in the situation. They don't see themselves as, as part of the solution. So it's, it's almost like buck, buck passing at that point. And I think that's one of the really exciting things about this initiative as well, because it's it really is, I think, in our community, an unprecedented opportunity to get senior leaders at our municipalities and our utilities talking together about the common challenges in our common future. And, you know, I, I think going back to Matthew's comments about kind of the history of, of energy, that our, our current governance processes at a community level around energy have been built for a past energy system. And, you know, something that we know, uh, building on another great collaboration in our community, which is Climate Action Waterloo Region, built around our, our first climate action plan and, and working on our next climate action plan right now between the, uh, the municipalities and nonprofit groups, that, you know, the, the changes we need to make are really transformative changes. And those transformative changes require uh, folks to, first of all, understand energy who may not have had any contact with, you know, energy planning or thinking in their jobs. Similarly, for the folks at the utilities to really be looking at this broad community fabric. And that's not really how we set up their current work as well, right? They're focused on providing reliable uh, energy uh, under kind of current regulatory frameworks. So really, 
the conversation around the fact that we all have work to do and work to do differently in the future to get us all to that future common point is really key. And I think WR Community Energy is really getting firmly established as a leading place where these crucial conversations and collaborations uh, you know, start and, and, and grow. So you've really helped to start explain how you do your work and what you're learning through this collaboration. You talked about broadening key stakeholders, key leaders' view of energy and understanding of energy and broadening their perspective of energy through a community lens as perhaps starting points in the conversation and in your engagement. Are there any other lessons that or advice that you might have for communities that are also thinking about going down this path? I'm more involved on the implementation side. And my early focus has been, at least from, from a, you know, a soft skill perspective, has really just been making sure that people understand their role in the energy transition and that it doesn't need to be a burden, that we have the support for them, that they can you know, engage with these projects without sacrificing the other work that they need to do to make the change easy for them. And it can even maybe be a little fun, whether it's through talking with people you might not otherwise talk to, or maybe talking to your boss's boss if they're more you know, professionally ambitious, meeting new, neat people. Kate, you probably have a good answer to this. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, from the experience you've seen in Waterloo Region, and I'm, I'm relatively new to the region, but, but have worked in the, the community on related issues for a long time. And I think what I see that I would recommend that others do is to really build on strong relationships. We have strong relationships among the municipalities in Waterloo Region, and that is a great springboard for building further. And then as you're building on strong relationships, find opportunities to strengthen other key relationships and, and the utilities for from our end are, are a great opportunity of, of that moving forward. So, you know, taking stock of, of the assets you have from a relationship perspective and figuring out how to expand and, and deepen and strengthen those, I think, is a really good starting point because really this kind of work is, is all hands on deck. We've all got to be moving in the same direction and doing what we can from our respective standpoints across the community, not just between, you know, municipalities and utilities, but this businesses, households, everyone needs to be on board with the change we need to make in our communities on energy and the opportunities that that brings us to, you know, build more equitable, prosperous, resilient communities while we do it. And starting with with the relationships that are good and and building from there is, is always a great opportunity. Matthew, you started the interview with some lovely storytelling. How important have you found storytelling is in this work with the various organizations and individuals that you have to engage? (laughs) Very important. Um, When uh, I asked, as I was starting this job, I I asked David Rowage, who many listeners might know out in Kingston, what are the skills that I would need to to be successful at this job? He was involved in, in, in the early planning of the community energy investment strategy and, and he said sales <laughs> and well, I wasn't expecting that I was expecting it to be more of a, a policy and, and technical job but it's it's you know it's not like that at all there are so many terrific technical experts in, in Waterloo region and, 
And even if I did know the answers, it probably wouldn't be wise for me to be the one to provide the answers. It's, it's always important to, to bring more people into the process. And storytelling, probably the best way I know of to, to bring people involved and um, uh, getting, them, getting their buy into the vision. It's easy for us to focus on the technology aspects of the energy transition. And, uh, you know, the, as you said, there's lots of people with great technological expertise and experience. The technologies are there, but it's just, it's the people part and, and the social innovation that's so important. But it's not easy work. So what keeps both of you inspired to keep doing this work? Well, for myself, there's so much energy in this sector and in this community, there's a real appetite for change that surprises me uh, a little bit. And it's changing over time, which means that it's an important project and it's beginning to sink in with people. And because energy has such a broad definition, energy from a physics point of view is the ability to do work. And everybody enjoys doing work and they do good work. And I have an excuse to talk to anybody about community energy and it's the ability to make our community energy tent very broad that uh, gives me a lot of a uh, lot of energy. Right. And how about you, Kate? Well, for me, I think it's it's been an interesting journey because I didn't set off to become a climate change person uh, or someone working in climate change. As a young person, I actually really avoided thinking about and talking about climate change because I found it to be overwhelming and it left me with a sense of hopelessness. And what I learned over time as I, I came to this field, mostly through an interest in active transportation and transit and, and you know community building and land use planning, is that the more I learn about it, uh, the more I learn about energy, the more I learn about climate change the more clear it is to me that this problem is solvable, that we absolutely can solve this problem. And not only can we solve this problem on a global scale, but climate change is a global problem with local causes and local solutions, which means that we can make real, meaningful, impactful changes in our community that not only address climate change and, and you know, address our part of this global problem, but also that makes our community a, a more livable, vibrant place to be and, and somewhere where I want my child to grow up. So I think um, really the, the more I learn, the more clear it is to me that we can do this. And uh, it's a really exciting field to work in right now because I think the number of people coming to that realization across our communities, across our organizations is at an all-time high. So I, I often joke that my my technical retirement date at 65 hits in 2050, which is the same target as, as kind of our community target. And I guess by the time I retire, we will have solved it uh, or, or we won't. <laughs> but um, I, I honestly think we will. I think that... Um, WR Community Energy is a great example of the kind of initiative that is going to get us where we need to go. And when you combine passion, dedication, interest uh, with those technological components you were mentioning, Karen, that we are going to get where we need to go. And, and I'm just delighted to be a part of that work. That's great to hear. I often feel very fortunate to be working in this space because you do get to see the opportunity. Sure, there are challenges, but you can also see how we can work together to make a difference here. And for those people who just are watching climate change from the outside, it can be very depressing for people and, and not knowing how that how they can make a difference or make a contribution. And so I often think that I'm very fortunate, as it sounds like you feel your fortunate to be working in this space. 
So what lies ahead? What's sort of exciting coming up? Is there a particular initiative effort that you're focused on that you're particularly excited about? Because obviously community energy investment strategies are multi-decades. We're looking, you know, we have targets at around 2050, but we have to break that down. So what's coming up in the short term that you're particularly excited about? Mm -hmm. So conceptually, we need to enter into a literacy campaign. And so from that point of view, we have three stakeholders. Again, we're talking about municipalities, the energy sector, and and industry, especially around developers. And so our messages are slightly different, but they they participate in a a larger vision. So for, for, for the energy folks, we are talking about how important cleanliness is to our, our energy grid, especially around fuel switching and more particularly still around uh, heat pumps, whether it's air source or, or ground source. And if we can clean our energy, get it distributed locally, then the municipalities and their partners can focus on energy efficiencies and, and, and equity solutions. And if that's the case, then from an industry point of view, we can share our vision evenly across all jurisdictions, both within Waterloo Region and across Ontario. So there's no uh, regressive cherry picking. We, we hear that uh, from developers sometimes saying, hey, well, why would we develop this high efficiency building here when we can just go you know, a kilometer away in this other jurisdiction and build, build to lower standards? So that's our, from, from a literacy point of view, that will be the, uh, the crux of our, of, our, um, of our effort. But more practically, we have a lot of really interesting projects um, on the go. Right now, we are doing some thermal energy mapping of, of Waterloo Region. We're looking at wastewater water heat recovery. We're uh, looking at our subterranean briny aquifers, which would be perfect for um, open loop geo exchange. We would like to put them in a, in a map and make that easily available and a part of planning processes to make that information uh, clear for developers and for planners. We're looking at a variety of site level energy considerations in the planning process. And for that, our governance committee is perfect. There's the directors and commissioners of planning and the presidents and CEOs of our local distribution uh, energy companies. So to Together, we're finding ways to make this information available at the right point to the the right people. We're working on our community efficiency financing project. We hope to hear in the next few weeks from FCM whether we have been successful in our application for more funding there. We're really excited about this project. It's a partnership with a few not-for-profits, including Reap Green Solutions. The region of Waterloo has taken the formal lead on the application, but we have all of our our energy distribution companies and cities participating in this pilot project uh, as well. So there's some real opportunities for cross-sectoral integration to find the best way to retrofit these 5,000 homes a year. That, that we need. And I think the bigger umbrella there too is through the Climate Action WR Collaborative, we're I think about to launch for, for public consultation our community climate action strategy around you know how we transform water the region over the next 30 years and what we need to do in the next 10 years to get there. And there's also some really interesting work happening through our regional visual plan review because we know that how we build our communities is key to how much energy they're going to use, not just now, but for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So taking you know climate change and energy seriously in both those contexts, I think are really crucial. And I see WR community energy is a really important player under and, and associated with those plans towards building for the future. That's great. Lots of exciting work. And in your description of the projects that are and initiatives that are coming up or that you're actively engaged in right now, the depth of the relationships that you have built is coming through clearly. So congratulations on that. 
Well, thank you both very much for talking about your social innovation and also how it's leading change in your community. And I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us, Karen. Thanks so much for having us. It's been wonderful. The most effective way to challenge the status quo is through collaboration. Communities like Waterloo Region are experimenting with social innovations designed to institutionalize collaborations, to catalyze and coordinate the implementation of community energy plans. Sometimes referred to as intermediary organizations, they do not deliver services or products. Rather, they work between the organizations that do. They serve as a backbone for collaboration across government, community organizations, businesses, and the public. In Ontario, some examples can be found in Brampton, Guelph, Oakville, and of course, Waterloo, who we just heard from. In each case, their mandate is to accelerate the energy transition in their community through the implementation of their local community energy plans. 